island to me, as far as my understanding, is like infrastructure, electricity, Wi-Fi. We're just now getting to, you know, where we were previously in the States around like 2006 timeframe, 2010 timeframe, when I mm -hmm. look at those types of things. So, you know, that's also something interesting to look at. To keep in mind, to keep in mind, just to let you know, we are live on YouTube, the YouTube hemisphere. Right, it's tapped it. into why y'all working. First episode, first like. We got one view. I don't know who that person is. Maybe it's just me, but Appreciate shoot, welcome. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> this um, is the first why y'all working episode. Yep, no, yep. We got a lot, a lot in store. We're gonna have uh, the filmmaker, the the genius, the boy with the camera, the poet. Dwight James III jumping on so we can interview him, learn about, you know, his transitions between different mediums, how he's came to where he is and why he works. Um, just to kick it off, I would love for you to jump in. Uh, but to kick it off, you know, why I work in is a tech radio show, turn podcast, <laughs> turn interview. <laughs> then podcast, always interviews. Then for real, from time. Combination. <laughs> Combination. I want both of them. Uh, but those, yeah. I feel that. <laughs> we, hey, we really... how was the Drake concert? Since 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 we talk about combination, how was it? You got Drake oh, and 21, and who else showed up? What, what, what KD was, was there. Shy Glizzy was there, oh. bro. I walked up to Drake. I said, what's good, bro? He said, oh, you that, you that kid from Why I Working. I was like, yeah, how you know, Drake? He said, I know, Michael. Um, so okay. right. I wasn't at the show. I didn't even show up. I didn't have no tickets at all. I saw people. I saw people going to uh, like they said that they got last minute tickets for his uh, Saturday show or his Sunday show or something like that. Because um, really? I remember he he played back to back. So um, yeah, I know people that went both times to see him back. I don't know why. Damn. I was broke at the time when the tickets went on sale. So I literally could not buy myself a ticket. That's the only reason why I wasn't there. Otherwise, I would have been right there with them. I would have been like, this is the best time of my fucking life. I... <laughs> it would have been Drake all day, baby. That, that's what that's would have been happening. So That's how it would be. I'm sure everyone here has done that before. Either like you didn't go to the event and you are hating severely. Like, man, I get it, y'all. Chill. It's not even that serious. It don't even look that fun. Or you there and you're like, man, I can't be hanging out with broke people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, y'all speaking to me? No, nah, we're not even on the same page, fool. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, that heavy. Yeah, it's interesting, though. Like, Alaire, we're both at, like, unique stages where, like, we did, I mean, we locked in on that founder, that founder grind. We are still into it. Like, don't get it twisted. I like, mean, you're a, you're a corporate man, so I don't know how much founder time you be doing, but me? Yeah. Yeah, you got me there. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know you are not capping right now because, like... I, I, barely, I rarely see you. I mean, you go to all the, the Baltimore area, like ecosystem events and stuff. So I don't do that personally, but you know, it's it just, I don't know. What is the Baltimore ecosystem doing nowadays? Maybe let's talk about that. How have the, uh, how have the uh, e ecosystem Tuesdays, what, what is it again? Um, Equitech how how Tuesdays. What is, what is Equitech? Let's, let's explain uh, that, for example. Yeah, let's do that. that. All right, updates. We are live on Facebook as well. All right. We're gonna get it popping on Instagram last, but hopefully we get that last last. last, last. <laughs> but yeah, we should even have I'm excited, bro. First episode, just to let y'all know again why y'all working. We're gonna keep growing, just giving y'all good content. 
Like we should have a little like news, like sound and stuff, just to keep y'all updated on what's going on. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, Equitech Tuesday is a weekly event. I missed the one yes or two days ago on Tuesday, but I was there. That's the, the one before. you invited me to. That's funny. Oh shit! shit. <laughs> <laughs> if I had shown up and you weren't there, I'd have been so mad, boy. I'm gonna be going to these things. It's okay, but like I'll go everyone. Uh, but you gotta be there. That time because I don't know no nobody. <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing that, man. That's one thing about me. If I invite you somewhere, before you get in the car and go, you better call text me. him because <laughs> he might be asleep or he might be at another function that's in a completely different location. You <laughs> act like I'm serious too. Yeah, nah, bro. I'm almost, I'm there. I just need to get the ice. Like, <laughs> But it's cool. Yeah, Upsurge Baltimore created Equitech Tuesdays as a way for people within the Baltimore ecosystem to connect. Um, what can I say? It's they're bringing new people in. Like it's getting. That's the part that I am enjoying now. Like when you go to New York, you'll meet people who are like, "Oh, I just stumbled in," and they high key are like this vice president or CEO of some company. Like a month ago, I met this founder who exited his company to. And worked at Facebook for like six years. He just left. And he just got like a brownstone in like Mount Vernon. So I think at least like I didn't even talk about like what it is. But the benefits of it is like as Baltimore keeps growing, you know, you're seeing all the Lexington market and the train. As it grows, Equitech will become like the elite thing to do. You know, invite only. Because right now it's like, you know, literally anyone can go. Is it worth the time? And that's, I mean, something to talk about. It's like, oh, man, I just met this founder who just started their company. I met this employee who's like a startup founder. You know, Pava's out there. Shout out to Big P. Yeah. Uh, but, and then Naomi, cool people. Um, Corey's there, too. But it's it's worth it, you know. I'm going to keep, you know me, I'm going to keep it up. Political. I ain't keeping it a buck this time. I'm gonna just be like, <laughs> he said, I can't keep it a bean with you, but I'm gonna just let you know this is what it is. This is what it you is. can get into. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. That's definitely, free. definitely big facts. It's free <laughs> right now. You think they're gonna turn it into like a gathering spot kind of kind of vibe with like a membership and stuff, or is it gonna be like more of a uh, snooty kind of? Like you got you, you in now. So everybody that's been coming for you know however long before we shut this off, you grandfathered in, and everybody else, I'm sorry. Like, is it one of those things? And then you got to be like the newest kid on the block in order to you know get selected in order to come in, or what type? Awesome. Like, I invited you, not y'all. <laughs> you yeah. maybe. Uh, they're doing like, I mean, even the uh, master classes that they're doing, you know, these like monthly kind of learn uh, lunch bag sessions where you can learn some new stuff. That's free right now. Okay. They are doing sponsored. Yeah. Next week, they're doing it with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra uh, in partnership with Mindgrub. Oh, OK. And uh, it's like $15 off. It's, the tickets are like $25, but it's $15 off if you use the Equitech code. Um, they're going to have like this kind of discussion about like technology and AI and how it plays into like the real space. Uh, and then from there, they are going to have like a, a AI generated um, concert, which is tough, at least like a, a quartet or like a musical ensemble, like generated by AI, which seems cool. You know, okay. for me, every starving entrepreneur knows, you know, what the Mordor hitting like 
<laughs> the day. I mean, hey, you and me both, we used to be there. <laughs> <laughs> For real. What's it called? Taking that uh, crab dip from Betamore? Mm-hmm. All them after-hour pizza moments. Ooh. Clutch. Clutch. They saved us during college for sure. Because, <laughs> like, by the time you get, like, because you finish, and then you're probably working. So by the time you finish, it's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I'm not trying to go to late night. Because mm-hmm. you can even tell high key, like. Late night was only different. good on certain nights, yo. Like, And it was, like, depending on who and or when you went. For me, I love getting the late night salads, so I will always go there and get the late late night salads, or like maybe the cheeseburger and fries from time to time. But let me tell you, them salads bussing, bussing. I never did that because it's like Subway style. They will make it fresh for you. They make it fresh. It was better than Subway. Better than Subway. That was the only <laughs> place, even better than that salad place on campus. I'm telling you, I I waited my whole day. I work out the entire day. I'm like, I'm gonna get me a, a late night salad, and guess what? Right there. Maybe that's where it started, like the late night eating, binge eating, because late night didn't open until what nine p.m. Yeah, it was like, two. yeah, and then we used to remember when we used to use our unlimited meal plan for <laughs> semester. <laughs> back. But a semester, they they clipped that. They were like, we're losing too much money. <laughs> I wish oh, that's shit. true. Entrepreneur uh, timelines, right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Apparently, UMBC has a new accelerator fund or something like that that kevin stood up i didn't talk to him much about it i talked to him today but um very much interesting uh usm system can't do anything for us in my company right now so that's great he confirmed that Hmm. um and it was just it's just cool to catch up to for real for real um just to understand like where and let him know like where like we see the umbc usm system as of right now like Maryland's ecosystem is trash for companies that aren't necessarily a part of that stereotypical uh, biotech, biotech, STEM field oriented research, you know, base fields, these metal med tech, fin, like not even fintech. I can't even say fintech because UMBC hasn't really had fintech companies come out mm-hmm. of it. I haven't heard of any if there is one other than my, my company that's like a hybrid, you know, um, and even for like our system. We don't have something like the Smith Center of Business or anything like that, like Maryland has or, you know, Georgetown um, or Georgetown or even John Hopkins has a network of entrepreneurs that like, you know, they're very active in their ecosystem investing (laughs) in companies that come out of that school and the university like, you know, so for us, we don't have that. And there we recognize like and I was talking to him about that because me and Anthony have had these like talks where we are recognizing that we're going to have to be like me, you, Yemi are all going to have to be that, that generation that sets that up for the people that come after us, because we know what we, we know what we need to do in order to make the things that we know we didn't have, have happened, you know, kind of thing. So that's kind of interesting for me. And it was just cool to have that conversation with uh, Kevin earlier today, just to kind of see where ecosystem is and what he's trying to do. He's just like, I'm just trying to help. So like, I'm like, hey, bro, like, we're just trying to talk to as many people as we can, get the word out, and um, we'd love to include the university, but they missed out, so we'd love to include USM system, but they missed out on that opportunity, it was a grave mistake on their behalf, but, you know, don't say that you're going to be supporting entrepreneurs and students, and do the exact opposite, <laughs> and then also not pro- not provide any feedback or any sort of, like, 
constructive criticism to help the companies progress too. Cause it's not like we haven't done our own due diligence and work on a business plan and all of that stuff and apply and take the time to apply and then get back a message saying, sorry, we're still working on feedback for you, even though they said that they were going to provide some feedback. And I can show you the email if y'all want. It's literally, <laughs> it's literally some, some BS, man. Some BS straight. So did you get so, any info from Kevin? Uh, no, him? I mean, not even, mm-mm. I assume he was involved in the process because that's what it seemed like from the responses that I got. Um, but he was just like, this is just what it was this year. And unfortunately, we're trying to do better for the next, you know, people that come through. And, you know, please don't give up on the system. And I was, I literally told him, I was like, this was the last kind of, this is this was our last reach out to the system because the system is useless <laughs> at this point. Um, we've done everything without the system. So for us to lean on the system for what we need more than what the system can provide to us so if the usm memento fund isn't dropping money and we can't we essentially can't get money from the able foundation if that doesn't happen right they need a co-sponsor co-investor sure. on the deal so they would like the usm memento fund is supposed to be that pillar to support every other startup that's coming out of these universities and these institutions in the 12 institutions that are in maryland if they can't support these startups or don't want to for whatever reason startups are dead in the water you know like it's right. just it is what it is and then people will be like oh go to techco y'all don't remember what happened to techco between the years of 2017 and 2020 like no <laughs> i'm not about to i'm not about to go there with anyone but my, my thing is is that there are still policies that are in place and still people in place that aren't necessarily going to be founder friendly or have the rules or the the nda not even ndas but you get what i'm saying like the investment Mm -hmm. documentation that is going to be in the founder's favor now i get founders have to make these sacrifices and all these different things but when a founder actually knows their worth and have done the due diligence and the backing and all of that other stuff and have literally grinded bootstrapped their way from zero to still zero but at a different place now like you you can't tell these founders that this is what it is when it in fact is not like mm-hmm. nobody's investing in seed right now. Seed has changed significantly. Nobody's investing before pre-revenue or anything like that, unless you have an ace in your hole or you know somebody that's the top of whatever organization that can just pass you through due diligence. And you don't even have to worry about that because you don't have anything to do due diligence on. That's what the most, that's what most happens. Like everybody's just going off of a whim and that's really how due diligence happens, uh, it's, which is unfortunate, but like, if you don't know anybody, you're not going to get any money, you know? So that's just kind of where we're at. And uh, hopefully, you know, things will be looking up soon. I can definitely say within this year, we'll have some type of money, at least a minimum of a million raised. But at at the same time, I can't be overzealous with that amount either Mm -hmm. because I want to give leeway for myself to be able to make that much or be able to do that much. Because at this point, like, we got the connections to the artists, but we just need the money to back them. And uh, hey, I don't know, I don't know what's next, but but we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to see what the system can help us with, and we know that they can't. So it's just kind of like, I know y'all can't do anything. I wish y'all could. I know y'all wish y'all could, or y'all say y'all wish y'all could, but the proof is in the pudding, fam. Like the money ain't there, and uh, we're not rocking anymore. Like, don't put your name on something that you ain't support. <laughs> That's all. I don't feel. write checks that your ass can't cash. Exactly. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Clipping that right there. Ooh, that's the <laughs> intro right there. I'm so done. But now nah, we're going to. So one, like a response. I'm sorry. Like, that shit is disheartening. Like, for what we were doing, like, with MindStand, it was like 
very much a dedicated effort to be in front of people and to build this, like, even when people saw us, you damn near can make a silhouette of, like, the three of us and people would know <laughs> who that right. who those founders were. So, like, yeah, if you're getting to a point where, and we experience it, if you're getting to a point where they're critiquing, like, the format of your data room, if they said I've opened it and da 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 da, there's certain things that when they ask you questions, it's like okay, yeah, y'all not y'all just gonna say no. Yeah, and it's just like it's like they're putting stop gaps, they're moving, their goalposts moving at the end of the day, like, and that's just it's just stupid. Like, don't try to mm-hmm. leave the door open and say that this is the real reason when you were never gonna invest in the first place. Like, that is <laughs> that's the main number one thing I feel like gets entrepreneurs mad at VCs, especially well. Besides the fact that some VCs or a lot of them, I would say probably 80% of them aren't founders first. They are just purely investors and they look at either the numbers or they care about prestige or whatever the case is. And they're not actually looking at, you know, the founding teams and the scrappy ability that they have or maybe the the cultural, you know, edge that they might have in a particular market um, that would put them over that white founder or, you know, that that is trying to do the exact same thing. But it's going to appropriate their way into it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on now. Like it's, it's yeah. stupid. Like, Oh, for example, uh, years ago when we were looking, reaching out for VCs and like telling them about like upfront in our company and stuff, we found out that there's a VC that invested in a quote unquote competitor, but guess what? That competitor just so happened to know the person in charge of the organization that had uh, say so on whether or not they invested in this, this company and that's how they got the investment they just pushed it through because what it came down to is that they were they were questioning us on the business model and all of these different things that we had already figured out we, that we took the time to figure out right mm-hmm. and they were like when we asked them like oh so where is this company that you guys you know invested in they were like well we didn't figure they were like oh yeah well they didn't you know they don't have this figured out yet and we're still trying to work with them on this and i'm like oh really hmm okay but yet you won't invest in us because we don't we don't we're not as far along Mm. Now, granted, it is a, a, a conflict of interest for them to invest in us anyways, based on what she just told me. But again, the same thing is, is like, oh, you just wanted to pull information out of me. That's why you mm-hmm. took the meeting. Because other than that, there would have been no reason for you to take the meeting, you know? So that's... It sucks. Because like, you know, there's so many founders, especially early on, that are like, oh, let me not talk to this person. Let me not get in these rooms because of IP. And for like 60% of them, let's be honest, let's keep it a buck. For 60% of them, they don't got it. Like, there is nothing. There's like anyone can copy this. That's true. It's not that big a deal. Right. But like, once you get to certain doors and you have seed stage, like you figured out a data room, you've done the C Corp, you know, you've talked to lawyers, there really is people who are ready to just take your information and give it to a portfolio company. Right. <laughs> like, nah, I've, I've seen that. It hasn't happened to me, but I've, I've definitely heard that, especially like, be, yeah, a black woman who, you know, they interviewed a company uh, and then there was another white led company dealing in the same space as her. Uh, they gave them her information and they literally helped their portfolio company rebrand themselves to look like theirs. Exactly. I mean, That's what yeah, they do. I, mm-hmm. they're also supposed to help their portfolio companies. And one way to do that is through due diligence and, um, you know, just looking out for competitors and by by them already doing their normal jobs, they're technically already doing that. Now, granted may not be ethical, but it's business. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't be mad at that. That's why it's never just about the execution. Sometimes it's about the idea and the team that you have. Other times it's just about the execution. Point blank, plain and simple. You look at Threads, Threads was built to kill Twitter. 
And guess what? Mm. Twitter's dead. <laughs> and a body, it is, literally. It is, it is X now. My little birdie is gone. <laughs> my little birdie, my blue, my blue birdie gone. Okay. X is a new wave. Facebook came to do mm. what Facebook came to do. Put a stop to that. Thank you, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberger. <laughs> hey. nah, Elon Musk should play on that though. High key. Just put the X on like the bird and be like, yeah, not because that's actually that would, like that would outrage so many people. I think even Jack Dorsey would have to say something because <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, the reason why I feel Zach Dorsey probably not saying anything right now is because he's getting a piece of what X is going to become. And that's for that's for me, is probably why he hasn't been mad. I also got invited to the uh uh his blue sky app that i think he started what um, so you be I, on the wait list boy i i mean i just happened to like i i had gotten on the wait list a couple months ago and all of a sudden i got this notification that i'm like i'm accepted i'm in now so i guess i need to use it more in order to get invites to send it out to people but like i just haven't you know tapped in yet so we'll see but i'm looking forward to seeing what that kind of leftist kind of app is but i'm not you know we'll, we'll so you feel like at a core politically, it's like more democratic? That's yeah, very, very much so. It's very regulatory, like very regulated. It seems like every like I'm even scared to like talk about some like because what I want to do there is like talk about like global global affairs and like not even just black experience, but like global affairs and like stuff like that. Just keep it to like global affairs commentary, like international mm-hmm. affairs commentary. But like I feel like with international affairs commentary, even that can be like, oh, it needs to be fact checked and all that stuff. But I'm like, if it's just commentary, I should be able to say what I want. So like again, it's it's really just figuring out the ebbs and flows and the, the balances. It's not a conservative platform, but it's also not the most liberal in the sense that there's still an oversight kind of thing, you know. Hmm. So like multiple people will be checking and balancing all the things that everybody else says. So I'm just interested to see how that type of thing works, rather than having one central place where it gets reviewed in this content repository like YouTube has or like Instagram has or for or Facebook, for example, right? Um, but you know, it's done differently. So we'll see. I'm learning like, uh, taxonomy, like, you know, how to organize information, you know, in a way that's like, I mean, when you think of like, uh, machine learning, um, and organizing data, data structures, it's all like, um, it all mirrors like the brain. Like we're trying to make technology more, um, emblematic of like a brain, how we just think of like a color and then we associate it with the sound or a smell. Like uh, that, that's interesting that they're just taking a whole different approach towards looking at information because our brains need it. Like that dopamine, like you can really get addicted to, to like w- what that is. But I think it would be a great opportunity. Again, thank y'all. This is why y'all working. You know, got nothing but love. Again, a tech radio where we're breaking up. Thanks for y'all to understand. A great clip for us. We were just talking about TikTok. Alaire. How do you get funded as a black founder in 2023? Let's say you have a tech business. You say what? You don't. You don't. (laughs) The numbers have the numbers prove it, right? I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you right there, but like Harlem Capital put out this tweet yesterday the other day, remember, about the founder saying like fuck you or whatever to 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 Mans because he got rejected. But when he dropped the numbers. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of right. I mean, like, the, I mean, the founder in, in essence, like I feel for the founder because why are you saying you're investing in all these companies and you already know the numbers, but you see how many companies come to y'all and the percentage 
of companies that they invest in is below one percent. Mm-hmm. And that's like every that's like every fund at this right. point. Right. So I'm like, how much are you doing to impact the environment? Number one, right? Founders are looking at you guys to, you know, Im- make an impact larger than life. I guess you can say it's unrealistic to expect that, but that's what the community is expecting of Harlem Capital because they've painted themselves and they've brought themselves to be the very first or one of the very first black facing VCs in general, like the firm itself. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I don't know where their LP's money comes from. It's probably not predominantly black and brown entrepreneurs or wealthy individuals. I know that for a fact, because a lot of organizations that were started by black people did not get the funding from blacks. (laughs) So my thing is, is that when you realize that and you understand that, okay, then ask yourselves, well, how many of these teams that they're investing in are fully black teams, are fully minority teams? Very, very freaking few, right? Then we have the instances where we look at the gathering spot. I know that, that that may not be a deal that they particularly invested in. They may have. But the thing is, is that when you look at deals like that, and then you see the the reactions to what happens after a deal like that gets sold or bought out or whatever, right, and see whose hands it really is in versus who's the face of the company, then people start to realize and put the two pictures together. This is the same shim sham flam that everybody goes through in every single industry, right? So, again, you sit here and ask me, do black founders, where can black founders find VC? We're actually talking about this early stage capital at UBC in September on the 22nd, which is funny. Um, so the exact same thing I'm going to tell them is it's very hard to do so. And you, you, it's, it's easier to build it yourself than for it is for it to come from someone else, I guess, for, for, for lack of a better word or phrase to say, right? So what that means is whether you build your own audience first, build your own supporter base um and leverage them mm-hmm. as consumers to get that capital right because once you have that capital then other people want to help leverage that capital to make more capital in which case yes then you can get money right but again first you have to build that supported that leverage right so people can see that nobody in today today's age and i i will say nobody because it's just a general term for the industry in vc or in an entrepreneurship in general especially for a minority entrepreneur Barely anybody is going to invest in you unless you know somebody that is a family, friend, personal liaison or whatever. Unless you're a person that knows Will Smith or Jamie Foxx and one of them that has mad money and you're not one of their family members that wants to start a business. Boom. Prime example, Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith was able to start his Just Water business off the help of his father. That is now a million dollar business as a result of that. You see it in stores everywhere in the world. But without that connection to his dad, and if he was just a regular person out here, just like me and you, that would not have happened. He would have had to build those connections by himself, build that customer base by himself. Because again, not all of his music fans are fans of his business. While Mm -hmm. yes, they may be aware of it, right? That's just an addition to what he does. He's trying to create additional revenue streams so that way he can have that same type of wealth that he sees his parents have. Now, granted, we're not going to talk about all the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, but we're talking about the business. So it's like, Yes, a founder like Jaden Smith can make that work. He has the connections, the pedigree, the name behind him, right, to get access to the capital. We, on the other hand, do not. So 
as a result of that, we need to work hard. That's why we go to Baltimore Angel meetings. That's why we go to Equitech Baltimore on Tuesdays to see who we can meet because we don't have that access. We don't have that network. We don't have those connections. So, you know, that's really what it comes down to is you got to build the capital in order to get the capital. It's, it's really unfortunate, but that's just the way that the world works, especially for us at, at this current juncture. So. No, I appreciate that. Like the highlight here is, you know, you're black and you're raising capital in 2023. You're not just raising capital, you're raising social capital. You're right. building a name and reputation off of yourself. And it is not crowdfunding. Like, please, I'm begging so many people do not like crowdfunding is not for you. It's not for your business. Um, the people who crowdfund well have an ex a plethora of different supporters who can come in immediately and then just start funding the business, put in that first five, 15K, 20K. And then all of a sudden you're posting a day later, like, I can't believe we're 30% of our goal. And then you use FOMO to drive the rest of the funnel. It's all a funnel at the end of the day. Being black, you know, requires you to be exceptional. I mean, just water. Let's be clear. That shit good. That water good. <laughs> Hey, but even beyond that, like you're saying, when we look at life water, when we look at vitamin water, when we look at alkaline, like the landscape of it, it doesn't just support great. If you're a black founder and you're raising money, you better be Superman because people are going to expect you to be Superman just to get the crumbs. And we clipping that. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is Why Y'all Working, a tech radio show hosted by... Me as co-host, Michael Agusanya. And Alaire Jameson. And we are here to demystify technology and small business to educate, inform, and entertain y'all. And we got us a guest today, boy. We got us a guest today, boy. Hey, Dwight, you better tell me right now to stop because I saw you from Florida down south and I love using an accent, boy. All right. We got us a filmmaker, a poet. A savant, someone who deeply cares about entertaining and sharing their perspectives with other people. We got Dwight James the Third live with us today. Let's give it up. Welcome, Dwight. Appreciate it, man. What's going on? What's going on with y'all boys? How y'all feeling? How y'all living? Good, man. You know, we just taking it easy. You know, we're not talking about stuff really. You know, uh, emotionally, we just too heavy. You know, it's just some life, <laughs> some life for the day. <laughs> How you doing? How you I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm out here at Beaumont, Georgia. Um, so excuse the madness that's behind me. Um, man, life's been great so far. Um, doing a lot of writing. Um, I have a few projects in the works. Um, and, you know, I had a, a very intimate show yesterday, um, Old to Home and Back, which was a culture show, you know what I mean? And just talked about all things home, man. My, my siblings, my grandparents, uh, my mom, um, even myself. Um, because a lot of people don't really understand that um, you carry home everywhere you go. So you have to be aware, you know what I'm saying, what you're presenting to the world. So um, I enjoyed my time yesterday. I appreciate everybody that could pop out and whatnot. Um, and there's always more to come. Um, I announced something that's going to be happening, very special, but I got to keep it on ice until next year. Um, okay. it's, it's, a, it's really a, if you were there, you were there, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it it definitely is part of the evolution of my journey as an artist and as a creative. So I'm looking forward to sharing it when that time comes, but right, some well, people will catch on to it. 
<laughs> we'll invite you back for that. Okay. Bad, bad. So um tell us, uh why why do you work? Like what made you become an artist? I mean you can tell us a short inversion if you want, but what is the purpose of you being a creative in this day and age of 2023 when everybody is starving and trying to find a way for themselves? And now you know that SAG after is like fighting for their rights and everybody telling them go indie and Hollywood in shambles. So, you know, where where are we now? I know you in Atlanta, Georgia and stuff. So, you know, that's the hometown. For me. You got that Tyler Perry studio. Uh, so, you know, how, how's that going? That might actually be the surprise. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, I actually have not met uh, Mr. Perry quite yet. Okay. Uh, honestly, a hard catch. He's the type of person where, like, if you can't get him, then that means that you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Um, okay. I remember vividly one of my visits to Atlanta. I just pulled up to the studio seeing, like, hey, I'm trying to figure out what opportunities that y'all got for me. What, what can I do? And they was like, uh, you got to go online for that. Um, and you know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, bro, how they drove all the way here and you telling me to go online? I was cool about it. Um, I said, all right, bet. Y'all will see me again someday. It may not be today, but y'all will see me again someday. So, you know, I've just been in space for digital media. Um, I do uh, some commercials for local brands as well as uh, medium-sized entities. Um, and then also I'll either direct commercial or even do a photo shoot for the brands as well. And uh, when it comes to writing, man, my I do this stuff because I didn't want to be typical. I didn't want to um, just wake up and then, you know, work with somebody else. And I know that's the most basic version of it, but to, to make it go even further, I observed a lot when I was younger, and I still observe people now. And I just saw how boring people's lives were when they were doing things they didn't want to do. Um, and I know you have to do what you have to get where you want to go. But for me, I'm the type of person where I have to do what I love in order to survive. I, I can't fake it. Like, I got it expressed. So I thought, okay, cool. This is my favorite store. I like shopping there and whatnot. I promise you, I probably only stayed there for maybe two weeks. <laughs> and I never came back because I was like, I can't see myself enjoying this. Mm. and i'm not afraid of hard work you know what I'm saying that's my middle name if i were to have one and honest and truly i just need to make sure i'm doing something that matters to me and that can make an impact as someone that posts a lot online and you know i'm sharing my story sharing a lot of things i'm going through and experiencing i try to focus on numbers but i can't really focus on numbers man i know people watching you know i know they tune in i know they're paying attention and whatnot and honest and truly is that most people don't have i know how to interact with people in the real world mm. right mm. you know what i mean like you can be great on camera great online but if you don't know how to talk to people in the real world then you're doing yourself a disservice you can have all this attention but then once the spotlight is on you in real life then what are you going to do with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and that's what i've been Tyler you know the I mean? definitely definitely said the same thing that you said. Like, don't worry about the fucking numbers. Don't don't do that. Like, just fucking create, and somebody will be the right person to be watching. You know, so mm -hmm. that's that's the message really for all the creatives, for everyone, even the entrepreneurs too. Like yourself, like you're trying to do the solopreneurship, but then at the same time, you know, 
you still also want to get your art out there in the world. So you're helping others while at the same time helping yourself. And I think that that's the most important thing that like a lot of people don't really recognize. It's, that's the hard work that you're trying to do. Like most people are like, it's too hard for the, for me to go after my dreams. Right. But at the same time, then you're living a life half fulfilled at that mm. point. Like, well, I'm not saying that, like, you know, I'm not saying that's bad. No, that's, that's cool. That's on you. But for me, like yourself, Dwight, like, we we not in that boat. <laughs> yeah. I'm not settling for less. So I'm gonna be out here making a million so that way I can live how I want to live, and then everybody can be mad because I'm living the La Vida Loca. You feel me? Like, hey, it is what it is at that point. Yeah, yeah man. Like three of us, like each of us, come from like such strong family backgrounds. That's something that like I, I recognize and appreciate because, you know, some people have to, you know, give up on their dreams, um, moonlight, or try something new. Um, just to maintain a level of stability, like generational wealth and like generations, how they approach financial stability is completely different. So you might be looking around you and no one is doing what you're doing, but, and you might be looking around and what you're posting on your story is completely different from everyone else, but that's going to make you, you, that's going, what's going to provide, you know, if it's not, you know, the financial success that you have right now, that's that motivation that your kids are going to see when they Google your name. That's that motivation that the people around you is going to want to build their family and build their their businesses, you know, more in tune with the passion that you have for your own work. So I'm sure for all of us, like this is a no brainer, um, but it comes from I'm sure each of us can talk about, you know, how our parents made sacrifices to make sure we had when when they didn't. I'm still making sacrifices to this day. Real talk, like legit. Last time that I was home, you know what I'm saying? Like this past weekend, legit, you know, my mom waking up, go from one job, go to the next. And that's just how it's been like majority of my life, man. And I just told myself, that's not the way in which I'm gonna live. That's not the way in which I'm gonna live. It doesn't matter what I gotta do, I'm willing to sacrifice to do the things that I wanna do because. Life is just different when you're doing what you want, man. It's so different. And I think that's one of the main reasons I'm drawn to Atlanta because there's a, it's an incubator of people that are all enterprising, that are all figuring it out. And like it's it's like a, it's like New York part two, you know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong, can't nobody really compare to New York, but like <laughs> seeing the 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 palette that's spread across the diaspora here in Atlanta is amazing and it's inspirational, man. And like, even for the folks that feel like they're discouraged for coming to Atlanta and it may not work out, like you gotta understand, this is a this is Wakanda. This is not <laughs> something that's common, man. It's not common at all. But also, being in a city like this, like you have to make sure you got something to bring to the table. Everybody else got their own thing. What are you doing? You know what I mean? So it's funny um, that y'all mentioned community because that's one of my for just being around people and for growing one another. I feel like if you can't pour something into the next person, then you feel like that you can just ignore everybody else. That's going to make whatever you're doing be even worse because you didn't put, you know what I'm saying, others before yourself. Like, yes, um, there's a level of, of selfishness and selflessness that you have to balance out, but you got to understand, like, we did not, we came into this world alone. No, it's not possible. That's one thing, though. One thing in Atlanta is you got to make you some money, man. Y'all are one of the most focused group of people, whether it's the water boys, down to the entrepreneurs, down to the, the trappers. Everybody working somehow. 
So why are you working is to provide. Where do you think that comes from, that essence of, of opportunity? I know um, like railroads has like been something since the 80s. You know, um, Atlanta is a port city by and large. So people are coming there from Alabama, Memphis, even, you know, North and South Carolina to do business. Do you think that's the, you know, that spirit is still true in the city? Definitely, man. Like when I tell you, <laughs> Atlanta is um, and and it's just the type of space where when you look at, how can I say this? <laughs> like if you look at Atlanta proper, and if you look at the cities that are surrounding it, all of these cities have their own atmosphere. They all have their own space and their own personality. And that what that's what makes you think, wait a second. Maybe I don't want to be in the city today. Maybe I want to be in Alpharetta. Maybe I want to be in uh, Marietta. Maybe I want to be in East Point. You know what I'm saying? Being able to have those is what makes Atlanta what it is. Because... <laughs> Though Amaretta did uh, talk about different parts of Atlanta that aren't Atlanta, <laughs> I, I love her. I, I love her song. <laughs> I mean, it was it's cold and it also it, it's truth to it. But the the funny part about it is that, like, because of the fact that all these places are not Atlanta, they are what make Atlanta, Atlanta. still. You know what mm. I mean? Even though I I grew up here, you know, what I'm saying I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County. Um, and for those that don't recognize, uh, anytime that somebody says they're from Duval, you got you got to make sure that they understand you from Duval. That's how you know. That's how you recognize. Man. But honestly, truly, even in these two years that I've been in Atlanta, um, I've I've talked to a lot of the OGs been here for years, um, and just learned from them. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, cool. How did Atlanta change from this era, from this era? What was it like at Freaknik for the people that were there? You know what I mean? What was it like at the Olympics? You know, mm -hmm. having a city that's had, that has so much history, just be hungry to learn as much as you can, right? And unfortunately, like, learning about history has become a forgotten art. And it's most because of social media. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. People think uh, that just because something is and that you can get in now and that if somebody throws up a course or they have like this quick step guide to figure out something and that means that you know it all. But reality, like you still got to work, you still got to put in the long hours, you still got to study. And that's what separates you from the people that um, come here just for you know what I'm saying whether they are successful or not or the people that are stuck here because they just they there's no energy matter where you go you know what i'm saying you won't you won't find something like atlanta you know what i mean at least right now so that's interesting i'd love for us to talk a little bit about like social media and what that means because that's very unique uh, a lot of questions i'm sure we can ask you as a filmmaker like in a social media age you know people want instant gratification what was lebron say they want that instant oatmeal uh <laughs> You hop on Twitter and, you know, they say, F it. Here's the whole Oppenheimer movie or whatever movie that literally just came out. You can get all the information right in front of you. But when you approach art, it's not about receiving information and getting dopamine. It's like dopamine off of the experience. It's it's being, you know, in that environment. It's talking to people, talking to the artists, you know, understanding why they created things, understanding why the lighting comes in at a certain angle why the saturation is, you know, more or less. Um, 
how do you look at social media? You know, a saying I, I love and someone I love, uh, uh, Charlemagne the God has said this. He said, like, use social media as a billboard, you know, to get what you're doing out there. Um, but for someone that's, you know, not only using it as a billboard, but as a method to entertain and, and grasp people, just, you know, when you look at social media, what do you see it as? What are some of your handles? That'd be a good place to start to make sure people can follow. Yeah, man. Um, everything online is the white James III. Find everything you need about me. Um, that's my website. That's all my social. Anything you can imagine and whatnot, the white James III, you'll find it. Um, but honestly, truly, man, I see social media as a tool. It is something where, like, you are using all these different platforms in order to communicate and connect with people. But then the other piece that makes it a little bit complicated, right, is that you use social media to really learn things as well as do research. Like, not a lot of people use it for research outside of, like, oh, let me find out. You know what I'm saying? But let's take this a step further. Let's go on different accounts and find like different images for mood board. Different accounts that are doing interesting things that will teach people about like different lighting situations, different ways in which that you can compose work. So for me, anytime that I'm looking up different accounts, like I'll just save them all under different folders. So then that way I'm like, all right, cool. When I need to find inspiration for how I want to color grade a project, I'm going to go on like a cinema palette. Or like, let's say I want to look up how I can edit. A I might not know what the name of that technique is. I'm going to go on iCandy, right? Which iCandy was created by a um, art director. Um, his name is, he uh, works at White and Kennedy. So it's funny because a program that I was a part of called the One School, which is created by the One Club. Um, that's how I found out about iCandy. I'm thinking to myself, yo, this is such a helpful tool because there are so many people that watch ads, that watch commercials, and also watch music videos, but they can never figure out what editing technique is being done. So that's a perfect example of like being able to use social media to learn different things and techniques so then that way you're not just doom scrolling and you're like, hey, I didn't saw, um, excuse my French, I didn't saw this girl shake her ass, I didn't saw like this thing on the shade room or <laughs> spiritual world or something like that you know what i mean you done seen all these different things but then you ain't seen something that can really enhance and um make you know what i'm saying like just because just because social media is entertaining that doesn't mean you can't use it for education as well and that's just how i feel about it it's a tool so we got to use it accordingly and not be used by it yeah i mean we've seen npc uh tiktok lives like controlling and as soon as you see money attached to it i think that's yeah. always like that's all you, you know, need as soon and as you it's see like whoever hops yeah. on it first gets the gets the bread and it's like well like are you mad at them for hopping on a trend and getting a getting a coin or you mad that you ain't do it like which one <laughs> is it like you know because it's either that or you're, you're submitting yourself to also contribute to that and then you're a part of the problem now that you say is going on right because whether or not you're actually giving money you're still giving a view which also counts towards that bread so again are we are we all slaves to the same system when we go on social media <laughs> like i'm just being real here and i hear you dwight on the, um like using it 
for research because that's all I do. Like as an entrepreneur, like I have different folders that I have. Okay, this is dance ideas. This is video ideas. This is travel ideas. This is boom, 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 boom. And I got it all laid out. Then what I also do is that I find it important to also elevate the people that I'm around, but also give them access to the same information that I'm looking at. So with my stories, Michael knows this as well. Like I'll be posting up sometimes random information. It may not be relevant. It may just be a funny video or whatever, but sometimes it's off of wealth or insider business or anything like that, or some motivational video that really gives an eye-opening you know, thought or a conversation or provokes some type of meaning or gives some type of history to your point about history being lost, right? It's like, well, did you guys know about this? Or even if it's not past history, maybe it's current history and the fact that, well, BRICS the other day just got established. It got 52 new members. That's something that we should be learning about, right? They're not teaching that anymore in Florida where you was at, but they're going to be teaching that everywhere else. <laughs> so you feel what I'm saying? Like, just even for that, just having that access and even if it's not other people doing it for themselves, but you kind of doing it for them inadvertently by way of, you know, you see me putting it up on my story. So forcing them kind of be like, oh, what, what a layer post today? Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, this is interesting. I never would have thought to look at this, but I guess that's what it was on this timeline, you know? And they kind of get that glimpse and it kind of starts promoting it. And even if they're not branching out, you're at least doing your part. And that's how I feel when I'm like kind of looking at that and then sharing the videos that I got because I'm just trying to elevate the people that I know is going to take that information and do something with it, you know? So. Yeah, man. Like, honestly and truly, I just don't think really maximize all the capabilities of social media, man. Like, there's a feature on Instagram that I love. It's called Guides, right? And so, legit, there is a um, studio here in Atlanta called the HBUC, the Historically Black Creatives. And so what they do is that they have, like, their Muse magazine. So they have created a whole layout for it, and they use the guides in order to pr promote it. I'm thinking myself, yo, this is the this is like a digital magazine in in real time because literally you could just use posts or like different locations, things of that nature. But I'm thinking myself, yo, like you can actually create different ways and different things that you found over time, and then you can just, all right, cool, hey, check out my guide on how to take better photos, how to light an image, da da da, you know. So it's it's little things like that that'll make you think, wait a second what are the ways I can really take this to another level outside just real, let me post the dance, let me post a, a scroll post and whatnot. So I just think that if we really looked at all the it has to offer, at least on the platforms, I think that that would be one of the things that lets us think big, bigger about that you uh, mentioned monetization because there's an app called Fanbase that's created here in Atlanta um, by Isaac Hayes III. And so um, the whole point of the platform is to make sure that anybody can monetize their content. So then now the playing field is level. And it's been in an interesting journey kind of watching the uh, platform develop and get more recognition and whatnot. Because when you think about it, it's sort of like Patreon, but like you can, you have like the option to see someone that has subscribe content and then someone that has free content. So it literally creates a whole experience for you to be able to um, have subscribe from or don't subscribe to and whatnot. But then you can still see things that only you want to see. And then there is a thing called shadow banning 
um, on okay. fan base as well. Like you'll see everybody's stuff that you follow. You know what I'm saying? So it's funny that you mentioned monetization. Thing, like you said, everybody wants to make money off of their posts. But like if your posts don't provide any type of value and you're just posting just to post, then nobody's gonna pay attention to that. Like what are you what are you giving to people? What are you challenging them on? What is it that you're saying to people? Like I told I I think early this year or last year that um I felt like I need to be in front of the camera more. Yes, I perform poetry and whatnot, but I was taking a step further. So um now it's like any idea that I get to just and then edit and shoot everything, cool. I'm I'm dropping it. It doesn't matter like what people think, it doesn't matter like how they feel. Um though the internet may say one thing, uh my degree says another. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? I, I study art like it's nobody's business. This is visual art, this is dance, this is film writing you know what i'm saying any style that you can think of i probably looked into it you know what i'm saying and i'm always open to learning about other art forms that i don't know about you know what i'm saying especially like the bridge between um art and technology um that's that's heavy that's heavy um people aren't really leaning into vr as much as they did um during the pandemic i do think that um a project that i'm working on VR, it, it I, I think it's gonna spark some interest. Um, I'm not gonna speak too much on it, but it, it comments on the very idea of social media. Um, and we're gonna hear from influencers, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking forward to sharing that project with the world. It's still in the works. Um, I, I have to talk to a few people um, and get everything, but. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think it's gonna be a great project. Is this the hint? Is this the hint at what you was uh, announcing last night? No, nah, this ain't the hint. Um, <laughs> the the hint. Nah, that's not the hint. Uh, the hint is a little heavier. Um, but it, it is related to me going back to school. Now for what? You gotta wait and find out. Let's make it happen. Awesome. So yeah, man. Like you said, when whenever any promotion, just see why I'm working as like a. A open door invitation. They're talking about what you enjoy, why you work in it. I mean, you you said a lot right there that we can appreciate and unpack. Just like art and technology, like you know, we're seeing this now more than ever. You can, I mean, it started with those. Uh, what was it like? Uh, the photo, the Russian website where you posted a picture and it would have seven different versions of it. Now people are using it for LinkedIn headshots. I'm seeing people, uh, you know, like post videos, like maybe they're dancing or moving around. And there's a website that's just putting it through a generative AI uh, kind of engine in order for it to be, you know, Thor or, or uh, Morgan Freeman. I saw that one. That was tough. And um, it's still art. I mean, let's let's talk about that. The intersection of art and technology. Where do you feel like um, this will disenfranchise artists? Because we did see, you know, I think Britannica suing Chat GP uh, Dolly OpenAI for bringing in, you know, millions of people's work unpaid, but um, People, artists are using it to expand on their ideas, their perception of, of what the world could be. You know, is it a fine line? Is it, is it pretty clear? How do you not offend, but how do you uh, optimize, you know, the artist's experience in this art plus tech world? Well, it's funny because I think, I think it's sometime last year. Age of the writer is coming soon. I had no clue what was going to happen in the future. 
but like just seeing how um like wash rinse repeat that social media was just leaning into i was thinking myself we're gonna have to be a little bit more original very soon and this need to be original is gonna be the thing that challenges like all right well cool if we if i make something and the act of me making it is it okay if i do it you know what i'm saying like who am i harming who am i like disenfranchising if i do it am i not disenfranchised am i just in my own work my own business so i think that it's a slightly blurry line and the reason why i say is because there are artists like myself that use ai and all these other generative um tools in order to like speed up my workflow as well as like experiment how something would come out if i were to execute it in the real world um in, in the sense of creating a, a visual mock-up and then there are people that are creating their own universe with ai and with technology in general um i cannot think of his name but there is an artist and he he's an ai artist and he creates like hyper fantastical slash uh unrealistic imagery and experiences using ai like there is i think one where he generated uh like um building and people are loving it you know what i'm saying to the point where they're like are you selling prints of this prime example somebody that is they have to go through multiple generations of the prompt in order to get to that specific goal and then now they're able to monitor something that though they technically did not create it it was through trial and error of making sure that you're as specific as possible when you're feeding the prompt so then that way you can have the result that you want and that's the mark that a lot of people miss when it comes to the blurred line of like authentic art ai generated art is that ai is a big intelligent baby so whatever you tell it it's going to spit it back out but the more specific you are and the more that you dial into your descriptions within that prompt and whatnot you're able to get a very very specific result that that technically will be hard to replicate unless somebody can think exactly like you like um there's a um <laughs> she um she coined a term called intertech um and crazy enough when she coined that term like the whole world started watching and when i say the whole world i mean like even the u.s they said you're an expert in all things ai we want to have you speak to everybody about the developments and things of that nature and as she's telling people about intertech and whatnot um you can look her up on i think most platforms it's, uh her, her ad is gen z and uh, her name is sierra and so legit she <laughs> she wildly enough clone what and she yes yes she created an ai mind hold on hold on hold on, hold on. Oh, it's like she I, it's, computer shit, this no, is deep man no, yes no, this is no, deep no. man this is deep <laughs> hey dwight you better chill they're gonna start listening them people gonna start listening <laughs> she po i'm telling um man there is there's no cap in my rap man there's no cap in my rap man i promise you i promise you so sierra she was like well what if i clone myself using ai and basically she's creating an ai version of herself personal assistant so essentially whatever responses to, to that she would have and then whatever questions that somebody may have what 
she's essentially created a mini version of herself online so that that way like if she's not available mm -hmm. so That's my taste she announced that online. I said, nah, you're tripping. But <laughs> that's that. It's like, that's smart, but that's also dangerous. But I also see why that's necessary. But then that's still wild. It, it's crazy, man. I got to send that to y'all. But that's that's a prime example of somebody that's really taking AI to the max. To the point where she... Like, that's crazy. Oh. It's crazy, you know, and she even she's even creating her own AI agency, you know, what I'm saying? Mm. like because of the fact that she's been in the you know what I'm saying, entertainment industry for so long, and because now like that's her niche, that's her field, like every everybody asks for her expertise because of how viral she's gone on TikTok and on Instagram and other platforms. Don't know how to use AI, but her she's experimenting with AI every other day. Every other day, she's finding new tools. Every other day, she's finding new um, engines and things of that nature to experiment with. And when I say it's it's mind blowing, something myself, you like you you're committed to this. She's yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, side like a side note, she was talking about um, you know say how the film industry is striking, but the company's trying to use AI, and I was like. Okay, all these companies AI. But if the music industry goes on strike, what would that look like? How are you going to go on strike for something that everybody needs? Mm. Strike for something where like artists got to monetize all platforms. They got to use these um, digital streaming platforms in order to make sure that they can get that music out there. Um, if the music industry were to strike, what would that even look like? Is that even possible? I don't know. So you know talking about um a little bit ago when we were kind of like discoursing about the strike that's happening with the writers guild as well as the act so it's it's heavy man ai is is dangerous but it's very very interesting um and that line is blurry like i said um I do highly suggest anybody that's in the art field or even that's just in a, in a general field whether it be like um i don't know <laughs> Everybody should at least try AI, you know what I'm saying? Even if you don't master it, still give it a shot, you know what I'm saying? Because you never know how it can automate your systems for as a small business or even as a solopreneur because it's a lot of work being a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. If you can lighten your load with AI, then do that humanely. And that's all in regard to that. And tools like ChatGPT, Midjourney, I think it's V3, V4, definitely tools that you can get started on now. Very lightweight. It is not hard. It is not, you know, scanning your face into some system. It's really just logging in. I know, right? You're like, huh? Question. Yeah. <laughs> For real. But yeah, uh, Larry, if you have any, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the, the writer's strike. And I've, I've heard some information about it just to keep people informed, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's business, bro. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, the main reason, and, and Dwight brought up an a, a interesting uh, situation slash point, I guess you could say, is like, can the music industry, can creatives go on strike? Mm, not really, right? Um, you have to look at how many independent, actually independent institutions and organizations that are actually out there. Not many, okay? You have three major record labels that own it all. 
and the rest um, it's up for the grabs. So when you look at that, it's the same way in the film industry as well, right? You have major film, you have the major, major big three, Warner, all of them, Apple now, Amazon, and the rest is coming in, Disney, right? They own all the studios and they own all the work. They are creating all the work for all the other independent studios to do. So when you think about that, again, who are they striking against? The same people that's giving them the food. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> In my opinion, they, guess what they just said right on, on, on the timeline the other day. They, was, they were saying how they're just going to continue to ride this out because eventually the writers and everybody else will realize they're going to need to eat soon. So they're willing, the, the big behemoths are, we're going to take that billion dollar hit because at the end of the day, when y'all get back to work, we're going to make it back and some. And y'all going to be right back where y'all was starting. So, again, I hear y'all on the, this got to change. But, again, at the end of the day, there's a lot of system and infrastructural things that need to happen. And, again, when you have to be a part of the system in order to change the system, it doesn't work like that. you got to come in from the outside and fuck some shit up. Excuse my French since we're going there to make some things change. Right. In order for that to happen, in order for us to actually be able to strike, to have a union and all that. I mean, they do have a union. But at the same time, the union has no power because it doesn't have a studio where it's producing content for them to control, own, monetize, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we can go on. I, I, I see some things that are happening. But again, when we're talking about Tyler Perry, for example, Tyler Perry even said for himself on a lot of his interviews, like, they weren't trying to let him in. <laughs> they weren't trying to let him into the same spaces to get the same contract. So he had to build his own studio. And even when he built his own studio, they, the financiers were not trying to give him the same amount of financing that they give all these regular studios all this fucking time to do. You have to build. It's the same thing. Just like an entrepreneur, you have to go out, raise money, get all these stocks and bonds, put that on the film, creatively financed all, all they like. I found this out by just dealing with music, IP and royalties. Boom, music is in everything. When you look at that, gaming is also involved. So you want to talk about that? <laughs> can can editors and, and all those gaming people go on strike? Hell no, because <laughs> there's not a lot of independent film gaming studios out there. So, and even then, you hear them going like, we're not going to work for a while, but guess what? They get right back to work a couple months later because money ran out. So they draw attention to all these things for a short amount of time, but nothing actually changes because in the grand scheme of things, leadership hasn't changed. Money is still running this world. And as a result of that, it's kind of like, well, damn, like, how do we make a difference when the main thing that we need to make things change is the same thing <laughs> that keeps everything in place at the end of the day, right? So it's hard. Yeah. I mean, honestly, truly, I think I died in, man. I think I heard y'all talking about the gathering spot. And to be real, right, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna get into the politics and all the 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 the, the, the yeah. You. I'm not gonna get in that. <laughs> but the idea of the gathering spot is so genius, and it's so genius to the point where like, if there was a version of gathering spot for artists and like just like young startup businesses alike, all coming together, all creating one another, and then there are hubs all across. The I promise you. None of these studios will have access to any of the talent, any of the content that's being created because now everybody is working together in order to get the needs that they need. Now, all of the people that were working on the projects can now do their own projects <laughs> and they don't need any of the, um, 
the IP or the rights to anything or whatnot because now they can all work together in order to create their own original content and then they can all own and monetize from it. So then now it's like, oh wait, cool. This things are being dismantled now. The I, I love the idea of the gathering spot so much because of that, right? Like started in the in the heart of Atlanta and then built all these hubs, you know what I'm saying? Like really grass to the point where like you got LeBron coming to Atlanta for his birthday, you know what I'm saying? You got two chains having something there. You got all these different moguls and stars coming to this little hole in the wall spot in and I think it's called Pittsburgh Yard, something like that. In Atlanta, right downtown, you know what I'm saying? By Georgia Tech, coming to this little hole in the wall spot. Because of the, the community that's been built and because of the infrastructure that's been built over time by TK and Ryan. So I'm telling you, if there's like that for artists to be able to do that, it's gonna be a problem. Because now it's not it's no longer of oh maybe studio, oh maybe we can do this. Nah, like we have access to a studio, we have access to our own platforms, we have access to all these other entities, and we can all do it in our own Actually, let's buy out a couple of um, movie theaters. Let's do that too. You know what I'm saying? We, we'll stop going to all the movie theaters because, I mean, they're, they're anyway. Let's, let's make our own. There's all this open land in all these different places. Let's make our own and then actually let's, let's monetize theaters too. Mm-hmm. Let's partner with all these other big companies so that way we tell them, hey, look, you can't serve that here unless you got your licenses. You can't serve that here because you got to pay X amount in order to have that here. So then what you going to do? You can't do anything at that point because now you got to play hardball with people that's been playing hardball this whole time. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So again, so again, man, if there was something like that for artists, the world will look very different and a lot of the things that we're seeing will look very different, right? Like a lot of people are trying to have space and trying to be like, again, solo. But if you get in cahoots with multiple people and you're building with multiple people and now the circumstances are different. Now you can be able to have a studio in Atlanta, in Miami, in all these small towns, because to be honest, a lot of the talent that's being missed out on is in these rural areas. It's not particularly in the cities because when I spent a week in um in Clarksdale and Sumner, Mississippi, I'm working with young adults that are about that are a little bit younger than me to teach them about to show them, hey, look, like I'm not that much older than y'all, and like I'm making more than minimum wage doing this art stuff. But that's because I learned the business side of it and my skills match my business. So then now, as I'm getting better and better over time, I'm showing them, hey, look, you can do this stuff, too. There's no reason why you need to be going to the local Sonic or the local churches or local subway. You need to get out of this small town, get the skills that you need, return if you want to, to tell the stories of this small town that most people But more importantly, like, make sure that you're getting more experiences being outside of here. Because I know for me, exposure changed my life. Hmm. To be exposed to different cultures, to be exposed to different experiences. Like, I'm going to Martha, Martha's Vineyard for the first time in, like, seven days. Oh. And when I tell you, like, I was told that August is 31 Saturday Martha's Vineyard. And I'm <laughs> looking forward to every single day that I'm there because of the fact that, one, I've never been to, 
I get to show this experience of me being there to be like, yo, y'all need to come out here. Y'all need to see what it's like. Not a lot of people that come from Jacksonville, you know what I'm saying, let alone rural Jacksonville, can be in like Mark's Vineyard, can go to L.A., can go to New York and things of that nature, and then come back and tell the story. Because that's the thing a lot of people don't do. They don't come back. Even though that I'm not home often, any opportunity that I get to talk to um, young creatives, whether they be in high school, middle school, and whatnot, or even in college, I'm going to take the opportunity. Yes, 100,000. Yes, I do that. Because I know what it, what that opportunity did for me. So it's literally, it's in my my personal oath to pay it forward, and as well as to pay it back. It, I'll be a fool if I yeah. That's how I feel. You know, I definitely mm -hmm. get that. Uh, that's why um, on the 22nd, that's why me and my co-founder are going back to our university at UMBC to really spread the word about how hard it is to raise this venture capital for black entrepreneurs. And uh, they're going to get a rude awakening because we're going to tell the truth. <laughs> the whole <laughs> truth and nothing but the truth. I'm telling you. Because it's like, I can't do the disservice to other people, especially those who look like me, and go up there and be hunky-dory and be like, yo, like, it's sweet outside, like yeah, come, come, mm -hmm. join me over here, and then they get out here, and it's not sweet, you know. Like I could never do that to young people who are coming up in this world, who you know, who were like myself. And I thought, like, look, I had all these goals for myself. I was like, I'm gonna get here, I'm gonna hit here, I'm gonna hit here, I'm gonna hit these million, hit da 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 da. da. And when re reality humbles you after a while, when the world is like nobody gives a fuck about what you're doing or what anybody else is doing, just Try to make it work, you know, and that's kind of really what you do. Your parents do the best for it for you as much as they can. But you didn't ask to be here and you are here now. So you have to fuck around and find out. Most people ain't trying to do that. And oh, God, I, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, educate just like you give back. And that's that's really what it is. Like, I'm trying to tell you, if you're trying to really be out here, really trying to do the damn thing. Cool. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you figure it out. If you're not, you're trying to go the corporate route. You're trying to do all that. I'm going to say, have a good life. The security is there for you until you ain't got a job no more because I put your job out of business. Sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to, you got a job with me, buddy. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really trying to let these people know that the reality is something that is able to be changed if they put their mind to it. And I think that that's really what it comes down to. Like, to your point, like going back home is showing them, like, I put my mind to this and I made it happen so you can make it happen as well. And if you need the help, reach out, right? If that's available, right? Because sometimes we understand not everybody trying to help out. You ain't got the time. You're in the middle of your grind time, but you made the time. The point is you made the time to stop. So anybody that comes up to you to talk to you while you're there will get your time and attention. And that's the whole point of it. It's like, even if you miss out and you happen to hit me up, slide me an email later, you still gonna get the attention because you, you reached out. You did the first step, right? Because somebody, I did that for myself to somebody else. So that way I could get to where I'm at. Same for you, same for Michael. So that's really what it is all about. Like why we're working, we're trying to help other people get to where we are and be better. Mm -hmm. I mean, not necessarily be better, but be better than what they're where they're at. You ain't gonna be better than me. I'm I'm yeah. light years ahead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's just, that's just that's just that's like just me. Shit. You feel <laughs> me? Like I'm gonna help y'all. I'm gonna help y'all out. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna help everybody I care about. But you know, we just got to make sure that we're good so we can make sure other people, everybody else is good. And once you're stable, boom, you could do the same. So that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's one of the main reasons why like I'm always studying and I'm always trying to learn as much as I can because man, once you've lost inspiration, once you've lost that passion to learn something new, it's hard to get it back. 
it really is. And I see why some of my OGs they keep bugging me like, man, go back to school, go back to school, go back to school. I'm like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. You know what I'm saying? Most because I know that they've been on the other side of this. They know how it feels to be like, damn, I don't feel like going to school no more. I'm good. Whole time, like you time is gonna pass. One of my OGs told me told me that time is going to pass regardless. So the least you can do is just get a degree. Even and even if and even if you take your time with it, at least you got it. Time like you just want to. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go to work. Do what I got to do. Win these awards. And like you can be able to get yep. a lot of your research and a lot of your projects funded by these institutions because of the fact that you're tied to them. Like you, I always tell any uh, any like prospective college student whether you're going for undergrad or your master's you gotta treat your degree as if it's 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 a it's two-way street yeah. it is always two-way street like nah I, i'm just going to get my my degree go to class you know what i'm saying go to work and then it. no like if you don't if you don't go and figure out how you can study abroad for free if you don't go and figure out how you can get your passport for the low if you don't go and figure out how Get all these different opportunities that are available to you because you're on this college campus. What you ain't paying like 20, 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars a year for nothing. It makes no sense. Why would you just get willingly give your money away? <laughs> the fact that you don't feel like doing it. What? Meanwhile, no. they're giving away all this free money and all these free opportunities, but you don't want to just fill out a, a little resume. Fill out your application, write a little essay. You got Chat GPT anyway. You're gonna use it anyway. You got all these resources right for you. Just use them. Agile have Chat GPT make your outline. And then from that outline, you all right. Let me write it right. And then have a chat GPT edit it. And then boom, you got your essay. You rinse and repeat that, bro. You can apply to like 30 grams in like a week. Honestly, in like three days. If you play your cards right, and if you play your cards right, and if you do what you do in order to maximize these opportunities, I'm telling you, there is what is it? I think there's over like 14 billion dollars, something like that, that goes unused when it comes to educational auxiliary funding. Staying around because nobody's applying for it. So when you see this irrelevant building or like some unnecessary structure being or like some unnecessary like create like person being brought to the school it's because you didn't apply for it it's you didn't ask for the money so of course they can be like well maybe this is what the students want and then now they bring in somebody that's not even connected to the culture not even connected to the students because you didn't know just to be involved and to be an active student like be for real you gonna let somebody else play with your money like that? Yeah, UMBC, UMBC happened to us too because like our black population at UMBC, at least while I was first there, started like uh, I got out of school 2019-2020, so I started in 2015. Our shoot, our black population wasn't necessarily there. Like it was non-existent, uh, and because of that, like our student events board when they were putting on like our like. Uh, yearly concerts and stuff like that. They always used to bring some whack ass people. Bro, they had Kesha. They had Kesha. <laughs> Kesha, one of the years. Kesha. <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna hold you. The Kesha concert was kind of lit, but <laughs> but but 
but it was a little wild because we was like, yo, like, where's the representation? This is who we want, da 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 da. And it got better, right? We ended up getting uh, 21 Savage and T Pain, and you know, they, 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 they did okay, the right? They, they tried, the, the baby came through, you know, they tried, they was really trying. But at the same time, to your point, like, people don't really understand that the money that they are paying for school, and it's again, Remember, a lot of them, it's not them directly because the motherfuckers who are really taking out these Pell Grants and, you know, all the Stafford loans know what the hell they're doing. Right. And they're trying to make the most of their situation. So I I understand. And they're the ones getting the help. They actually have the resources. Right. Because in most cases, you get Pell Grant. You always you got a financial advisor that checks in with you regularly, all that other stuff. Now, the ones that we're talking about, right, are the middle class to the, you know, you just got out of the lower class, you know, situation or you at the high class situation and you get put back right where you were or right where your parents once were, where they built you out of as a result of your negligence and not understanding that, oh shit, this is not, while it may not be my money that is going to the school, this is my parents' money and I may be or may not be wasting it based on what I'm trying to do. Now, granted, a lot of them have the mindset of, well, even if my parents are paying for this, I'm here, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to do the most that I can because that's what people tell me. But again, to Dwight's point, it's like, well, now you're wasting that money because if all you're doing is going out partying, having fun, and not really paying attention to your studies or at least making the connections, right? Because your friends could all be the next leaders of America, but if you're the big bum that sits there and not doing anything, at chances are, they while they may give you a helping hand once, it's not going to be the biggest helping hand in the world that you're going to need to catapult you into that next status of life, right? So when it comes down to that, it's it's breaking down the understanding of, okay, hey, guys, they, they, like, I guess Robowski made it a point to be like, look, these are your parents' dollars that is being used here. Make sure you are getting something out of this education that we have. But I'm not sure how many college presidents are actually saying that to their students, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if they're going to PWIs, because UBC is a PWI, but again, we've been lucky enough and blessed that we've had Black leaders, right? We've had Robowski, we have this lady now from Duke, so... I'm looking forward to more good things. And if UMBC ever goes outside of black hands, it is no longer an honorary HBCU. I'm just letting everybody know that. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Larry, if you, you said if UMBC gets out of his black hands, you're going to put black hands on him? <laughs> no, I did not say that. I'm just letting people know I don't trust my university no more, and it has been relinquished back to the PWI situation. Okay? So you let people know. Yeah, students just need to understand where the money is coming from and how it's being spent. And once they get to internalize, once you feel that like money coming out of your own, like like once you internalize it, that it's my money, like I can use this however I want. Because again, if you have the power to tell the person that is paying your tuition, you can't see my report card, bro, that is your bread. <laughs> I'm just saying. So figure that out. Because again, a lot of parents get shell shocked when they're like, well, if I'm paying for this, how come I don't have access to the degree? At the end of the day, they're an adult. So it's a decision is theirs, right? That's their privacy. They don't need to tell you anything. That's what a lot of parents don't understand. But then again, the flip side, a lot of students don't understand that when you get in trouble, when you're failing your semester, your parents can't come help you out. Your peers are sometimes, oftentimes, the ones that are right there with you in the trenches that can help you out. But again, if you're not doing the work, if you're not doing the grind, if you're not all there studying together at the library at all hours in the morning, Who's really going to be there to help you other than yourself, which is why you should be taking up chat GPT just in case you ain't got no friends to help you or something else. And really understand that, hey, maybe I should be at these office hours or looking at where the tutors is at because this is happening. Or if 
worst comes to worst, you need to drop a class. Drop a class, buddy. <laughs> it's better mm-hmm. than that zero. It's better than that F. So, Bruh. it took me six years to get my undergraduate degree in economics. Six years to get a BA in economics. You know, we're going to be, and we're talking to people who, and this is a real story. Like, we're talking to high school students, potential uh, students who, you know, are on the cusp, are considering going to college. Because there are people who are saying, I'm not going to go to college, and they have a great reason. There's people who are going to college, and we're speaking to y'all too. Take this seriously. Don't just use your parents' money. But for the people who are seeing the YouTube videos, the Instagram comments about, you know, the inflation of education, the rise of the prices, like, don't allow that to deter you away from making experiences and connections that can change your life. For the entrepreneurs that are here, like, I highly encourage you, entrepreneurs who are in college, this is one of the best times to start a company. Even while you're doing classes, you're struggling, meet for all of y'all the vice president of institutional advancement. That is a role in every single college. No one talks about it. It's not on Instagram. The vice principal of institutional advancement can be the maker breaking your college startup. Oh, you're on a mute, Valer. <laughs> oh, no. You saw okay. I was like, they got access to all the donors, all mm-hmm. the funds, all the alumni. They're the people that go out with the presidents of your schools to raise that money. Mm-hmm. I was told this, like when we were creating an idea and that's another thing too, like it's great, you know, if you're at college and you know, if you're at a huge college and you notice like, hey, you know, um, people need better access to water or snacks, do that because now you're servicing 50,000 people. That's your total addressable market. But if you're at a school like UMBC that has 15, 10,000 and you have this outlandish idea, pursue it because what my vice principal institution advancement taught me is that pursue this idea, go hard, because I can use this to justify getting more donors, getting more funding from the state, getting more funding federally. Like I can really put you on a pedestal if you have that crazy idea and you just believe it enough to button it up and present it to some of those people. Like, just do it. Like, You'll be surprised, man. Like, this is a real opportunity that you'll find something you've never seen. You'll see friends you've never met before. And that potential should be worth taking that risk. Don't just look at a pamphlet or look at some Reddit forms and then make that decision on your future. Like, think about it and really try. If you're on the fence, I would suggest going, spending that year, you know, and then seeing how you can evolve yourself and evolve around the people around you. Go to college. Facts, facts, one hundred percent. So it's funny, right? I'm a, I'm gonna figure out how I can tie all this together. I have no clue yet. <laughs> but when I was younger, I actually heard Dr. Freeman Rabowski in Jacksonville, and I remember it vividly. Um, I was at the time working with the city of Jacksonville under one of their programs, and when he came to speak, I was like, "Yo, like." I, I've never seen someone like this be over at college, you know what I'm saying, especially at PWI. And, you know what I'm saying, I, I think I've tried to reach out to him once and whatnot. I thought I was, got, I thought I got through, but he was busy, of course. But, like I said to say, um, Florida State was my last option. I did not want to go to Florida State because I'm like, ah, it's too close to home. I'm trying to get as far as I possibly can, right? And funny enough, like, the care program um, at Florida State University, first generation students 
And literally, when I tell you changed my life, Dr. Brandon Bowden, the uh, changed my life. Dr. Nelson McCoy changed my life. Dr. Tadero Stark changed my life. Miss Mr. Wesley Dorsey, I, all the all the black staff at Florida State University that I was able to be in touch with, being around, literally changed my life because one. Like they saw how enterprising I was and whatnot. Any opportunity that I told them about that I was interested in, they always helped me, helped me with it. Whether it's like, hey, I, I need a little help with like reading over this, you know. What do you think if I get this person to help me, you know what I'm saying, write my letter of recommendation, things of that nature. And then from there, when I tell you that's the reason why I was able to maximize my experience at Florida State University. And that's why, like, I can't speak for anybody else, but I went to school for free. <laughs> no, no, no loans, not one in sight. You know what I'm saying? Nothing. Literally, like, what came into Florida State, and I didn't start the program. It was because someone dropped out, and then uh, Dr. McCoy, and uh, Dr. McCoy, to Dr. Stark, and he said, "Hey, I got somebody for you." And they're from Jacksonville, because Dr. Stark, he's from um, Jacksonville as well, and now he's at uh, UConn. And so he's like, "Perfect." Let's get him in. But from there, I was like running, running everything up. There, what? Whenever it came to opportunities, that's me. Oh, I'm trying to go abroad. Bet this is the program you need to apply for. Got it. Oh, time overseas. Yeah, I need that. Cool. Got it. Spent three months in India. Well, I tell you, my 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 people did not want me to go to India because of like all the stereotypes and all the stigmas. I was like, no, nah, I gotta go. I gotta go to show y'all because if I'm under the state that y'all are in, how will I ever show y'all what's over there? So yes, I I went over there and I absolutely enjoyed myself. Contact with a lot of people that I met over there, you know what I'm saying? But again, like the importance of exposure, the importance of taking risks is so essential in college, like owing <laughs> so much money. But by talking to the right people and by being connected to the right people. Your play can go from 20,000 old to zero mm. every single time if you put in the work and if you do what you need to do in order to make sure that you have to like work harder than you necessarily have to. Like, there are people that are going to be in your corner, but if you don't stay in touch, if you don't do the work, if you don't do what you need to do, then of course people will be reluctant to support you because you, you ain't got no collateral, you know what I'm saying? That's no, no, no. <laughs> if you ain't got no if you ain't got no collateral, people ain't gonna want to talk to you, man. What you got to give? What can you put up on the table? Offer. That's gonna be the thing that separates you from most people. And I'm so happy that I was around people that had business while they were in college. You know, clothing brands, people that did photography, videography, people that made films, people that were writers. I was around a lures that were out here trying to get it. Because of the fact that, like, yeah, you can get a refund, but like, there's more than a refund. Actually, let's 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 figure out, you know, what I'm saying more opportunities. And funny enough, like, right before I graduated from state, they opened up a um, college of entrepreneurship. I was like, okay, okay, it's it's that time, it's the time, you know what I mean? So, literally, like. When you maximize your opportunity in college, 
and then you keep going that energy and you keep striving for that the world is yours hmm. the world is yours man and literally it you never will say if you don't ask closed mouths truly do not get fed man they don't i am a big believer in at least trying if I, I tried the most that you can tell me is no so that means i gotta find somebody else that's gonna tell me yes mm. yeah you easy until you find one i'm telling you <laughs> so let's real talk yeah. thank you dwight we definitely want to keep you on as, as long as you, you're free available i just really want to tie it in again because you didn't even talk about how you was in france out there with the people <laughs> do i say right came how yeah. do i say this correctly uh, some people say can, some people say con. It just depends on who you are, bro. I'm pretty sure it's con though. Yeah. But um, so funny enough that you mentioned that. So yeah. again, like maintaining relationships in college. So I was an anomaly, right? I was like one, like a, a, out of a group of I think five to eight students from Florida State that got a scholarship for entrepreneurship. From UNCF, nobody could figure out how. I was like, "You're not even college fund." I thought they only work with HBC. Right? I thought they only work with HBCUs. What? Ain't no way. Funny enough, there was this um, scholarship called the Coke Foundation Scholarship. Right? Charles Coke. I know he's. I know. I know his brown. Let me cook. Let me cook. <laughs> so he gave away a scholarship for students any college two year or four year and then like you had to renew it like i think every semester and then they flew you out locations and stuff like that to be at a, a conference summit and things of that nature so you can learn about entrepreneurship learn from leaders and things of that nature and look it every single time i'm dialing in with everybody hey how do you know this person hey let me let me figure out how i can get in this thing get in this thing i'm dialing in on everybody because I'm telling them, I'm letting them know, hey, look, I want it all. I want everything. Get, give it. Yeah. Go ahead and give me that. Yes. No, no, I don't. Mm -mm. No, I don't want to just hang out. Just hang out. I'm trying to figure out how I can see how I can keep getting paid from the people. That was my goal. Where's the next? Where's the next one? Actually, I need that. So. Um, the program. Uh, one of the people that was part of the program in terms of like managing it, um, I kept in touch with him because he was over the internship program. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm a profitless internship. I'm a BNDC for for a set amount of time, you know what I'm saying, during the summer. I'm going to do what I got to do. Still kept in touch with him. And um, the year before, he had went to Khan, and it was when Spike Lee was the main juror. And when I tell you, I was so jealous and heartbroken. I say, yo... You went to a white film festival and somebody black was juring over it? What? Oh no. I gotta I gotta go. I'm sorry. I gotta do, but I gotta go. Funny enough, he said, Hey, if you free, all you gotta do is get there. All, all you gotta do is get to Nice. And you're good. I was like, bet. The rest is history, bro. Like, want to tell you, the rest is history, bro. I got, I, I literally, I had two options, dog. And it's so important to have faith in yourself and faith in your ability. 
I had two options. I was like, I, you know, I can miss out on this one, and I, you know what I'm saying? But then I miss out on the experience. Or I can drain my bank account and have an experience that's going to change my change my. You see, you saw which opportunity I chose. <laughs> so legit, <laughs> legit, man. Like I think I had like a twenty-four hour flight or some some crazy jump like that. Even though it only take layovers were insane. I hated it so much, but I was like, nah, I gotta have this experience. I don't know too many people that's like me that look like me that can say, yeah, I went all the way from America to go to Con. And, and I got taken care of the entire time. Legit, when I tell you my lifetime, wow. I would not trade that moment for anything. Like, hold up, let me let me see if I got my my, my silky with me. <laughs> hold up, hold up. So at, at at the film festival, they got these little silkies, right? And wow. they got it on their uh festival that con they got it on there, right? Oh, so that's tough. So I bought three. I bought one. Actually, no. I bought two for me. One that I keep on myself at all times, and one that I keep home. One for my lady, and then one for my mom. And the reason why I bought four is because I want I wanted to remind myself that one I gotta get back, and the only way I'm going back is if they tell me that my films is being premiered at Con. That's the only way I'm going back. That is the only way. That's the only option because. That trip taught me that there's always somebody in my corner, even if I don't know them. Mm. Even if I never met them, even if I never seen them before in my life, they are all there's somebody in my corner. And legit, like as I'm networking, talking to people, things of that nature and whatnot, it was so refreshing because I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, I could have missed out on this. I could have been like, nah, I'm good, I'm fine. I could have missed out on this. I but I'm so glad I took advantage of it. I'm so glad because now I have somewhere that I can look forward to and that I can like build a foundation toward. So now I can pay it forward. Cause now one day, cause it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I wanna be able to pay for like 10 black filmmakers to go to con for the entire time. I'm not talking about, I'm talking from the opening ceremony until the closing ceremony. And I want them to have the full experience of being able to be at this to see all these different conversations, to be able to see all these different films, to be able to network with all these different people in the film space. I want them to be able to have the same experience that I had because of the fact that my former supervisor slash big bro said that I was worthy and that I was able to have experience too. It's so important for us to be able to go to these film festivals not just stateside, but international, because now it makes you think how you can communicate with people on a global scale and how you can be able to communicate the work that you're doing on a global scale and understand that it's a tool and it's a signal space. But when you go to France, when you go to all these other different places, this I wouldn't trade for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow. And so for reference, uh, one, you know, how would you describe cons to, you know, a regular, per a regular, you know, average person who goes to the movies maybe three, four times a year? And how long is the program? From Man. Um, con is like a week and some change. 
average person, I would say it's basically like the Super Bowl for filmmaking. It is real deal the Super Bowl because you got some of the top films from all around the world that are all screened in, in this small town of, of Khan <laughs> that's in Nice, you know what I'm saying? So legit, like it's the type of experience where there was this, I forget the name of it, but there was this film that I saw and I think it was like an hour and a half or like two hours. And the journey of the kids was them trying to find like this egg for their mom to uh like make a pie so, so that way their mom can feel better. So literally, these kids are bad as hell. They are just rambunctious, going through everything, but they're they're like, we gotta find this this very particular blue egg in order to make sure we can make this thing for our mom. And so they literally are risking just to have this moment, just to make sure that she feels better. I'm thinking myself like, yo, if that ain't a metaphor for life, mm. for, for being tenacious and being relentless and being aggressive at accomplishing your goals, I don't know what is. So I have a ticket to that particular show in my room, I put it on the wall and I scratched out the name of the movie, put my name as the director. So then that way, like, when that time come, I'm going to be like, I warned y'all this was coming. It was on the way. But I had to be there to have that experience of being like, yeah, I paid like $8 to go and see this movie. Yeah, I did that. You know what I'm saying? And legit, after the movie, the entire audience was clapping for at least straight. 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 Re- non-stop. Some, some movies deserve that. You know what I mean? Like, Wow. Yeah. Probably like, you know, a vocal out of emotion out of the person too. Just, yeah. And then what? Like, so does the director come out immediately after as well as the staff? Or we're talking like... Uh, you know, a discussion? Is it just immediately to network in and, and yeah, drinking is fancy sherry? Is the director in the, uh, the actors as well or just the director in the So it depends on the, in that particular film, like the actors and the director was there and whatnot. Um, there wasn't a talk back, unfortunately, um, but people were kind of like chatting about it, like right outside of the venue and things of that nature. And funny enough, like, when you go to con legit everything is along a strip and it's kind of like rodeo drive sunset boulevard type vibe um and what you got all of the fancy um high-end uh stores like all along that strip and then when i tell you like late night bar stuff and it's it's a vibe it's real deal of vibe man like i i took this one video of like being at the beach and I'm just thinking to myself, like, yo, this is the pinnacle. Mm. This is the pinnacle. Like, I was able to get tickets. Uh, the weekend was premiering uh, his HBO um, joint and whatnot. Like, he was on the red carpet. I think to myself, like, bro, I am not that far from this man. If I had credentials, I could just walk up on him and be like, hey, what's popping? What's good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But legit, it's It's crazy. How, how close to the top that you feel when you're at a festival like Kong. And how, like, a lot of the people, they're staying, like, on the 
on the beach <laughs> at a lot of these expensive hotels. They're like, you have to book that hotel, I think, at least eight months in advance to even get there. From the last con to the first, you know what I mean? To the next yeah. one. <laughs> if you want Real to life. <laughs> Real life, man. Like, you have to because of the fact that it'll be like two. And then sometimes, and people stay for again like a week and some change. Cool. Think about that. <laughs> think about that though. Like it's like, how did they get the bread to stay the two weeks? Is it forget forget them being there? How you got the bread? Is either you the master filmmaker extraordinaire? You got the big film studio, or you made your money some else way, and now you here just chilling, watching the videos just because you think it's cool. And also for you, like saying that you're one step away from you know the greatness that is right but really you're one step away from your own greatness because the way that i look at it is is that when you get into these spaces that is really a space that you've never been a part of before even me and michael when we go into the baltimore angel meetings and we hear these conversations people talking big money we're like oh okay so we're here now but if there's this and we didn't know about this what else is there more that we don't know about right and all it took was to your point an ask Hey, can we be involved? Hey, can we do this? Hey, can we say hey, what's good? Like, can we sit in? And that's when you start to learn. That's when you start to do all these things. So when I hear you say that, I'm like, yo, like this reminds me of when me and my co-founder went to England in 2020 and just spent bread. Like I came back 6K in debt for all of that shit. And I almost died on that trip too. COVID, <laughs> all that. So Damn. I'm like, bro, like people don't know the work that we put in for our dreams and be like, yo, like this, it ain't sweet. It ain't easy. But again, it brought me to that bigger perspective. It's like, yo, we had this teacher that we went out to, we presented it in front of the class. She really took care of us and like showed us like, yo, this is a great idea that y'all working on. This needs to be taught. This needs to be brought back. So anytime that y'all come back here, let me know and we'll make it happen, right? Boom, to your point, it's like, you were taken care of, you were brought here to this area. And it's like, well, yes, they care. So therefore the information is gonna be there. They want you to absorb that right they feel worthy that you're like you're there right and you want to make sure that everybody else has that same experience the same opportunity to do the damn thing so that's why when you say like i want to bring 10 filmmakers i'm like bro has to be making some big bucks to do that because <laughs> unless they're gonna be staying on the boat in nice like he wants them to stay right at that same hotel everybody else at so he's gonna oh, have to yeah. figure out how to get that two thousand plus a night and make it work right so that is like the key here i'm like yo like i resonate with you so much because like that is that is essentially my being right now my essence like yo like just make it work trying to get there and having those experiences and then just asking the questions that could get you to that second place right you were networking with all those people while you were there you did not waste a moment right so my thing is is that every entrepreneur every person reading listening to this is like y'all need to not waste any moment that y'all have especially if y'all are in those places where y'all feel like you may be a little bit out of place if it's for a good reason if it's because it may be a little too bougie for your liking start talking start asking around you might find there might be one bougie person that acts just like you and you might make a friend right so that's what you don't know there's a lot of people that have that wealth have that stature that act just like regular regular individuals that may want to help other people get to where they are and it's a matter of you just networking and asking around and talking to those who are willing to talk to you so literally man like and like i'll leave this last note right atlanta taught me that any and every money but only a few people can make a lot of money at one time right so um 
ever since I got into the advertising space, I have really and truly learned and under like now understand why people are like, yeah, this is a million dollar budget for this ad. This is a two million dollar budget for this ad. Legit, man. Like one of my OGs told me, he was like, man, like I took a hit. I was like, what you mean you took it? <laughs> this man said, hey, I, 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 um, a really big project. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how big was it? <laughs> I told me six figures. I said, oh, shit. At once? So yeah. But you know what I'm saying? And legit, just no, no, like reserve, no nothing like that. It was like, yeah, just all six figures. You dig what I'm saying? And I'm thinking to myself, yo, what? <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> huh? But again, like when you when you put in when you put in the work, and when your stripes have shown, and what people see, they're like, oh yeah, nah, whatever he charging. I pay that. I pay that. You know what I'm saying? I tell a lot of young entrepreneurs, like, don't be afraid to charge what you want to weed people out. Because the people that, like, pay the premium, they respect you. Question what they're getting, because they already understand, oh, yeah, I got to I gotta pay, like, 20K for this one shoot. Okay, cool. Fine. And, and you want me to fly you out, too? And you want to put you in a hotel? Uh, if you insist, <laughs> you know that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, what? that's the one right there. <laughs> if you insist, literally, man. Like these, and these are the things that young black queer never taught to learn about and never taught to know. You know what I'm saying? That yes, this fifty dollars shoot that you're doing, middle of nowhere, creating these beautiful images, is actually worth ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars. Let's not get into copywriting let's not get into like ownership of these images you know what I'm saying let's not get into licensing that's a bigger conversation that not a lot of people are even talking about like yes they're but then when people understand wait nah you gotta actually uh, you you wanna put this on the billboard you gotta pay for that get oh you wanna put this here get your residuals. real life man like we we are only taught to get the front get the back end and that's what I'm always pushing anybody that's around me to to make sure you get. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm gonna pay for somebody to do something that's work for hire, I'm gonna make that be known. Hey, look, this is work for hire. Mm -hmm. But if they're all to get paid, let's do it. Let's do it. There is so much money in the world. Literally, I think about um, J Cole's song "100 Mil." And it's funny because literally every black person is worth a million dollars. Every black person, every black person in America is worth a hundred million dollars. Minimum. Minimum a hundred million. So yes, when you charge what you charge, you you need that. That's how much you worth. This skin that we got. This melanin, a hundred mil. hundred mil. What you mean you like, only charging? They're going to be like, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, since you know whatever, what a here, damn. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we finally learned it. You oh, thought, yeah. shit. <laughs> shit. Let me get my checkbook out, damn. Uh, Dwight, you are black excellence. You are, you know, the energy that you brought here. You know, we what what we connected in a group chat. Just knowing that, you know, from Deontay down to Mike, down to everybody just sharing, you know, their life and their journeys, you know, started when we were in high school. Like, you've just been a really positive energy that I've been able to follow. I highly encourage y'all, you know, everyone listening to follow Dwight James III on all media platforms. Check out his website. Um, continue to follow his work as well. Is there um, some pieces, some films you'd like us to promote? Yeah, so um, right now I am still fundraising for my second short film, King's Crown, which is about my father, who's also a veteran, who learns how to take care of his hair. Um, it is a very important story to me. It is actually inspired by one of my beloved mentors, uh, Dr. Stanford. Um, he is a Vietnam veteran, and he is also the, hopefully, and about to be, uh, former president of the Texas Urban League. And um, he, is a true, he is a true definition of a servant leader. And I wanted to do this film in his honor because of how much it means to me. And um, you know what I'm saying? As somebody that is finally growing their hair out after so many years of having the, the low cut, you know what I'm saying? This is also an to to grow, to evolution, to being able to step into the fullness of who you are as a result of like learning the the person that used to take care of your hair is no longer here. So now how are you going to take care of it for yourself? How are you going to be sacrificial enough to be like I'm uncomfortable in this moment however there's still somebody that's going to take care of me of who isn't there you know what I'm saying so you can definitely look out for that um, and also any other project that I have going on so that is um, my, my book of poems um, that is also uh, my documentary work that I do um, whether it be with my people in Mississippi, uh, or even my personal stuff. Uh, but yeah, man, don't, don't, they're King's Crown and uh, my documentary, Follow Me. So, uh, follow the information about Follow Me is going to come out soon uh, once I acquire more funding for uh, King's Crown. Um, and if anybody wants to learn more about it, you can visit th3msw.com back King's Crown. That's th3 msw.com backslash king's crown um and i allow me to be in this space being able to share my thoughts share my experiences man um i look forward to coming back looking forward to sharing uh boys man and again thank y'all so much for having me thank you thank we're you, gonna bro. definitely have you back for sure don't forget about us this is family now yeah, yeah. i'm trying to go to con too so make sure you got some extra funds <laughs> yeah, hey bro. man listen we could figure, hey, listen, we could figure something out, bro, because, again, there's so much mental um, opportunity out here. There's so much to do and experience, man, and you'll never really know until you ask. And, man, Mike, you already know, we locked in, man. Ain't no switching up. <laughs> For real. <laughs> All right, but say less. Well, appreciate you. Thank you for another great episode. 